Before we begin today's show, the stress of daily life weighs on us all. You're not lying. Whether you're an athlete or just a regular person trying to get through the day, muscle pain and muscle tension is a real thing. That's why there's Theragun, the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using scientifically calibrated combination of depth, speed, and power. And now it's just as quiet as an electronic toothbrush. That's because the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor that's so quiet you'll wonder if it's even on while you soothe your aching muscles with Theragun's signature power, amplitude, and effectiveness. Try Theragun risk-free for 30 days. There's no substitute for Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet power that you need. Starting at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash hoop right now to get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash hoop. H-O-O-P. Theragun.com slash hoop. And guess what? On Tuesday night, we found out baseball was coming back. Pastor only because he's kept his daily podcast going every single day throughout the pandemic without any baseball to talk about. But now that spring training resumes on July 1st, he's finally going to have some actual things to discuss. If you're a baseball fan and want to check it out, you can download and subscribe to Baseball Tonight wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We are talking about the NBA tonight, Wednesday night for us. I'm sure you're all listening to this Thursday because you instantly listen when there's a new Hoop Collective Joining us from Boston is Jackie McMullen. Jackie, I hope you are doing well, enjoying summer weather in New England. You're poor today, Brian. Get up oh, to date so on your sorry. weather. Come on, man. So sorry. It's all good. Well, and all that's good the here. voice of uh, Tim McMahon, who is joining us from the Dallas, Texas area. Um, I was in five states today. Wow. Four more than us. Yeah. Yeah, uh, why I did driving. You, why? Why were you driving? in five states today? Driving. I'll bite. I'll bite. Why, Brian? Um, I took my I took my mom back to Ohio. Okay, um, good she's son. visiting her grand, grand grandson, and I took her to to her other two grandsons. Um, drove through Indianapolis. It was good to be in another NBA city. I waved at the. Um, it'll always be Conseco Fieldhouse to me. Bankers Life Fieldhouse. As I'd walked by, been to many playoff games there. Waved at it on Interstate seventy. Um. And, did it uh, wave back? It did not. Um, I was talking today to a trainer who uh, trains a number of NBA players, um, not just with one team. And he told me that he knows of guys who've tested positive for the coronavirus. We obviously have had a number of players um, self-identify. Uh, today, Malcolm Brogdon and Jabari Parker did. There's been a number of other players who have been reported uh, uh it's a little bit delicate for us in the media. We're not crazy about um, outing stuff like that. All the players are self-identifying. We did report yesterday that Nikola Jokic had tested positive. Um, one of the reasons why we did report that was because he was not he had not returned to the country. Um, although they're hoping he's going to be okay. Um, so the the number here is it's a it's it's a little bit halting. It's not unexpected. Because the league wants to find the players who have the virus, isolate them, 
treat them, get them healthy so that the bubble can be formed. Nonetheless, Jackie, I, I have no idea what the number is going to be. I don't think the number is probably ever going to become public, but it's going to have an effect on the confidence level because obviously the players on the team are going to know. And it already has. Is- it already has, Brian. It already has. Um, I was on the phone a bit today myself with, uh, you know, so I talked to Bud yesterday, Mike Bullenholzer. I mean, of course, he's all fired up to go play. He's got a chance to win the championship. His guys are healthy. You know, Giannis, is that time off when really, really helped him because they were worried he would try to push back too soon on his knee. But I also talked to a couple other coaches today who told me, you know, now that it's here and they're not going to win the championship, I'm going to stick my neck out and say that <laughs> neither one of these coaches are going to be on the team okay. that wins the championship, okay? And both of them were like, you know, I don't really want to go. And I have some concerns about going. And what you're saying is exactly on point. There are numbers that you're not going to know about, and they're high. And what does it mean? We don't know enough about this virus. They're getting – I won't say cold feet because they're going. I mean, and this was the deadline today for players to opt out, and there weren't very many, as you know. Uh, Avery and Bertans and Trevor Reza and did I miss anybody? I will say I want to stay on this topic, but the players could decide later that they don't want to go. But it was important to say today so their teams could replace them. But right, right, right. Okay. So anyway, but I think there's just it's just getting a little thornier every day. I'm not saying it's not going to happen. I'm not saying that people aren't going because the people I spoke with today they are going. They feel a responsibility to their teams, and they're going to go. But they're hearing the anxiety in the voices of their teams, their players, and that's coming a lot to Brian and Tim and Andrew and Troy from their homes, from their families who are nervous about going. It's one thing if you're a player and you're like, yeah, this is what I, this is my job. I'm going to do this. And then you're like, okay, honey, kids, we're all going to go. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. No, I, I don't want to. What about my aunt? What about my parents? What about our son? You know, he has this, he has that. What about our daughter? And then I think all of these things have kind of built up over the last 48 hours. So even though they've, they're going to go, I think the anxiety level, based on the conversations I've had over the last three or four days, has risen significantly. Well, and, and you say they feel a responsibility to their teams. Let's be real. They also feel massive financial pressure. I mean, sure. the, the, the salvaging of this season, if it was just about crowning a champion – there wouldn't be 22 teams there. Of course not. I mean, so this is for what? What are we going to say? For 14 of those teams, this is purely a financial issue, if we're being realistic. It's even more I mean, than that can, because they're playing for their other guys who are not playing. Those guys are still getting paid on those other right, teams. Right, right. You know, it's, it's a, it's a responsi- responsibility is a hard word, but it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's more than just even their paychecks that they're doing. Yeah. And just think if a coach, it's one thing if a player says, you know, for whatever reason. I mean, Avery Bradley's reasons to me are very noble. Avery's a very thoughtful, intelligent guy. We talked a little bit about him last week. His reasons are fantastic. He has a son that has some respiratory issues. And also he would like to focus on the social justice. Uh, Those to me are very, very solid reasons to just say, you know, this my family's more important. But if you're a coach and you said that, like you, you don't get another shot. I don't think. I don't know. I might be overstating that, but I, I don't I think, think you tough. come back from it. I do too. Yeah. I honestly, I'm curious to see if there's 
uh, and I'm not saying by any stretch of the imagination that it should be, but I'm curious to see if it's difficult for Avery Bradley um, to, you know, to uh, does this affect his chances to to continue his career? I mean, look, he's guys, a really good player. I, I don't, I don't know, but I mean, uh, yeah. Well, I think it's a fair question, though, and you know what we have, who the people we haven't heard from are his teammates, and you've yeah. got to know that they're disappointed, some of them, and and they may understand Avery's position, uh, a child that has that you know would be at risk for his health. Everybody understands that. That doesn't mean you can't be personally disappointed in a guy that you really needed to count on to win it all. You can both of those things can happen, right? This is true. So we're, we're know, in a tough. Go ahead, go ahead, McMahon. I, I was just going to bring up the Bertons thing and and uh, Evan Fournier being critical of him. To me, it's like keep your eyes on your own paper, dude. Right. Let, yeah. So so let me uh, bring that up in case you know they, they're 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 good players, but they're they're they're, they're not the biggest names. So just uh, let me bring let me bring everyone up to speed on that. So Davis Bertans on Monday was the first player um, to. Uh, Say he was, you know, he's basically not doing it because he's going to be a free agent. Um, and he's had knee injuries in the past, and I think he's worried about restarting so quickly. And at the end of the day, he's got a career contract coming up, and his team's in ninth place, five and a half games back of the last spot. Um, they have to pretty much go eight and no, and he's making a, a value judgment. So, Evan Fournier, who by the way, um, is not been afraid to. Uh, spout on Twitter in the past. Um, right. So first he said, "This is what's wrong with the NBA nowadays." That was, that was what he was what he what he said with on, when Woj's tweet about Bertans came out, and then he followed up with, "Seriously though, if you think it's okay to sit and watch your teammates play while you're perfectly healthy, it says a lot about you." Um, and Ouch. then, but then Bertans came back and said. If you don't care about the risk playing in Orlando, and also next time tag me when you have an opinion about me. Um, so Which is fair, by the way, but a little fair on that. You should have tagged him. Well, it's definitely a violation of, of the player code, which, look, it's, he made a business decision. And, I mean, opting out of Orlando is obviously going to get more attention than the guy who sits the last six or seven games because of quote-unquote hamstring soreness or whatever, which we see – every single season with multiple guys around the league, whether it's because their teams are tanking or because they're in a situation like this where they don't want to take any risk with their, uh, with their health because they know their team's not a playoff team. They're not going anywhere. I do, you know, it's just a little 40A has a higher salary this season than Bertans has made in this entire career. So, I just it, to me, it's like I just don't understand a fellow player being all judgmental of a guy who's looking out for his best business interests on a team that's got no chance to do anything of consequence. If well, they miraculously times- make the playoffs, they're out in the first round, probably in a sweep. It ain't like John Wall's coming back either. So yeah, so Breton stands to lose because if you don't go by choice like this, you are you don't get paid. Um, and uh, he stands to lose a few hundred thousand. Um, I think he could lose up to six hundred thousand if he if his team were to play fourteen games. That's the max you can lose. But the Wizards almost certainly are not. Um, 
and he's potentially in line for a contract. I mean, what, 12 to 15 million next year? Who knows? Yeah, I mean, who knows um, what the NBA yeah, is going to look like. But yeah, he's a great, but he's a great stretch shooter, you know? Right. But so, yeah, I mean, that's value. what he's worried about. And, you know, he, you know, you see uh, Clay Thompson blow his knee out. You see Durant tear his Achilles. And that's when they were in, in shape, or, you know, in, uh, in, you know, in playing shape. And this will be coming off. And this is, he's had bad knees. Anyway, look. The point is he's got this he's got this motive. The NBA did get insurance for their players, but it's disability insurance. Now I'm not I don't work for Lloyd's of London, so I'm not going to be able to sit here and be able to totally say this, but the insurance that the players are more worried about is loss of value, which is right. you injure your knee and instead of getting twelve million dollars next year, you end up signing for the the mini mid level. basically the uh what happened with the Marcus Cousins. You know, that's what, that's what, the, that's what guys are worried about. Cousins blows his Achilles and he signs for, you know, five million bucks instead of potentially tens of millions that he could have signed for. There's an insurance coverage for that, but it's extraordinarily expensive. Um, and that's not what the NBA is providing. They are providing disability that if something happens to you where your career is threatened, that there would be coverage for that. Um, so Bertans has a lot to lose. Um, um, but I will say this, we're in a bit of a difficult spot in the media here because we don't have access to the teams right now because we are not permitted in the facilities. So we can't go in there. One of the things that you do is you physically count right. who's there. We're not going to be able to know who got sick. And I respect that they have privacy that we shouldn't necessarily be reporting on guys getting sick like this. However, the teams have not been announcing it. Some teams have made announcements, but most teams have not. And so we really don't know how many people actually are sick. And we're not going to have access to them for a long time. And so what's happening with this virus in the league right now is under a, a shroud, we don't know how much it is. And as I talk to some teams out there, you know, this sounds a little bit crude, but some teams are saying, look, we have guys who are positive. It's okay because we want to identify them. And I'm not saying that the NBA is trying to achieve herd immunity, but when they set up their schedule, they clearly built in time for guys to test and quarantine before they go to florida that's why the quarantine is now or the the testing was this week and you don't go to florida until july 7th 8th or 9th um they built in time for people to be identified into quarantine and um adam silver has not given a press conference in two months um he's had some media appearances you know he did an interview with ernie johnson he did an interview with mike greenberg but he has not sat there and faced questions for two months. Um, when they announced that they had passed, the owners had passed the the uh, the measure to to move on to restart the season. They said he'd be available within a few days. Well, that's been almost three weeks. And like, I'm not like pointing a finger and saying, you know, uh, that there's something nefarious going on. I'm just saying. There's an information blackout right now, and because of the rules of the road, we're not able to really infiltrate it. And so I really can't accurately tell you where the league is with this virus. And, um, and I don't know how long it's going to be till I can. And I don't know whether that should be concerning or not. And 
Jackie, is that a is that a problem? I mean, I know there's privacy here, but you know, it also would be good to know exactly how the NBA is managing this, and I and, and I don't have a good feel for it. Well, none of us do, and and the NBA probably doesn't, Brian, because if we had if we had concrete ideas about how to manage this virus, we'd have a vaccine. We'd know for sure that if you had the virus, you have immunity. We still don't know the answer to that definitively, at least not that I can understand. There are so many, there are more questions than answers about this virus. And that's why this whole idea was always fraught with peril. And it will continue to be. And you're right. We knew, we heard from everybody. You talk to the players, players in the, um, the executive committee, coaches, everyone said, hey, when they start testing, there's going to be a lot of guys that test positive. It's just because it's, that the law of averages tell you that. And guys have been, you know, playing, even though they're not supposed to, they've been playing in gyms, they've been playing pickup, all the things that they may or not think. And so my, my concern remains the same. And we joked about this last week about the uh, very strict regulations on playing cards inside the bubble. I mean, the fact of the matter is these guys are going to be playing basketball indoors and they're going to be sweating and sharing a ball and hitting each other and fouling each other and sweating on each other and breathing on each other. And that's just a fact. And in all, Florida, where the in cases Florida, are, right. I, I mean, right now, Florida, Texas, Arizona yeah. are the three states that are just absolutely blowing it up. And right. it's a bubble, but there will be workers coming in and out. So the case count in Florida matters. Well, not only that, it's human nature. We know human nature tells us because we've already seen it for the, the fatigue that we all had from quarantine and from following social distancing and staying home and wearing a mask everywhere we went. There's fatigue with that. And people start to get lax about how careful they are. And you're, you can't convince me that three months of this, right. we, we know there's a snitch line. It's my favorite thing about this, the snitch line that a player can report or a coach or can report another player sneaking out of the bubble. You know this is going to happen. And, and not only Paul that. will be wearing his headset ready to take those calls. Um, I was talking to an agent of a player who's on the executive committee, the union's executive committee today, and he's like, um, my guy is just exhausted. He said he's never gone through the kind of stress that this has been to try to keep this together. Exactly. Um, th- this is all being done in good faith. It's just – the other thing is – when you know the players believe at least some of them believe i know because you know i've talked to um to folks who are advising them that you know the the data tables on this show that um getting infected has a, a generally positive outcome and that i, I don't think there's uh, how do i say this my feel from talking to people is that there isn't a huge fear uh, because many of the players know other players who've had it and talked to them, and they're like they've described it and they've bounced back. Well, um, if there was a huge fear, they wouldn't be out playing pickup ball. I mean, Buddy Heel was right. playing in a uh, in a men's league in Oklahoma City. He, he, he was playing the same in the same little men's summer league that uh, Trey Young played for. Okay, and guys, these guys are protesting. They're they're walking the streets protesting, right. Brogdon, which I'm Brogdon which I'm all for. I'm all right, for not, that. But Malcolm Brogdon the, was involved in the protest. I mean, I don't know where he got it, but no, yeah, I don't either. But know. I'm just right, saying. But obviously, what you're saying is there's definitely risk involved with that. Of course, there is. Well, I talked people. about in the last podcast about how <laughs> Serbia it's sort of running rampant over there, and 
Jokic had already tested positive by the time we were doing that podcast. But yeah, um, I, I, I think right now, I think the message being sent is that the positive tests are acceptable and it's okay. And um, well, maybe and better, it is. Maybe better it is now better now than in you know at the end of July or in August once the bubble has started. I'm not smart enough, and I don't know enough to say. Maybe that. Maybe it is. Maybe maybe they want some herd immunity. Maybe some herd immunity is what they need. Um, well, they but, definitely. My thing is, they have to catch them now to have a chance to have a, a, a that's legitimate, right. you know, a legitimate bubble where they're not bringing in infected players and or infected staffers whoever that it would spread within the bubble right well um man it's going to be interesting um and i don't think there's going to be any media access for for days and days i haven't heard of any media access being scheduled Just, there's going to be zoom calls and that's it for a long time yeah in a moment here, we're going to talk about how Avery Bradley deciding to stay home affects the Lakers and what they're going to have to do with their roster. But before we do so, I want to remind you about the value of Tissot. Tissot is a Swiss watch brand with a broad range of high-quality watches at attractive prices. They're stylish, trendy, and innovative, which is why they are the official watch of the NBA. Tissot brings performance and style to the game by offering painstakingly accurate timekeeping and stylish and authentic watches. Tissot prides itself on precision and style of its classic sport and contemporary collections while committing to make excellence accessible to everyone. And best of all, each one of Tissot's timepieces delivers quality performance and traditional luxury. If you're interested, you can shop the latest timepieces at TissotWatches.com. Tissot, this is your time. And follow hashtag this is your time and Tiso.us on Facebook and Instagram for more information about Tiso. Okay, back to the show. Avery Bradley's decision had a uh, had a basketball impact here. Um, the Lakers were obviously bracing for this because Avery had indicated that he, you know, was considering staying back and. Um, this is the first. I, I suspect that there's going to be more of this, but this is the first um, fallout that affects uh, the title chase. I feel. Um, I hope there's not too much of this. I hope we're not sitting here in in a month talking about how a certain player tested positive and we don't know if he's coming back. And let's analyze how this affects uh, the team's chances in this upcoming first round series. Um, but I suspect we might be. Um, but today it's Avery Bradley. And, you know, McMahon, you, you thought it might affect him going forward. Um, I don't know if we're going to get real commentary from his teammates. I think, as you said about players criticizing other players, and, and I don't think it's actually going to be the snitch line that's going to be a, an issue. I think players will police themselves. I think uh, they, they, have, they have to uh, be treated to each other as opposed to, you know, running to, to dad. But um, – Bradley fall you know Bradley's decision I, I suspect that publicly everybody will just support it but I do wonder right. what those guys who are trying to fight for a championship are thinking about with this well and remember Avery Bradley's never won a championship either he leaves places and then they I mean it's not his fault it's just timing you know he left Boston and then they win and he goes somewhere else and then they win and so he has never won a championship either. So there is a big sacrifice here. And, and isn't it interesting, too, Dwight Howard, after all the noise, I don't see him on that list, right? He's playing, isn't he? 
As far as I know, I mean, it's, I as guess it's not now. midnight yet. I guess it's not midnight yet, but right. he could leave at a later time. Again, the players could, could even walk out while they're in the bubble, you know. Oh, of course. Um, it's just, they had to, this deadline of today to, to be able to, the teams to be able to sign this thing to replace them. So, so McMahon, um, we, we saw what Fournier said. There may be, you know, there may be other guys out there who think that about Avery Bradley, but it's either here nor there because he's not going to be there. And, I'm, you know, what do you think happens with the Lakers uh, now that they have to immediately deal with the replacement of a player, regardless of the, of the illness, of the uh, virus? Yeah, I mean, all due respect to Avery Bradley, it's not like they lost a superstar here. He He's a solid role player, but... Rondo gets more minutes. You know, sounds like they probably bring in J.R. Smith. I don't. I mean, I just don't. I don't want to sit here and pretend like Avery Bradley not playing is something that's going to just have massive ramifications on the Lakers' championship chase. Look, if LeBron's healthy, if Anthony Davis is healthy, the Lakers have a shot and maybe even are favorites. Whether Avery Bradley's watching on the couch or in Orlando, he was having a pretty good season, Jackie. He was, and he's you know he's a great on the ball defender, uh, so that comes in handy at the end of tight games when you went, when you need to guard I don't know Kawhi Leonard or somebody like that. Uh, he you know Pope Caldwell Pope will get some minutes. I know people in L.A. are so tough on him. I don't understand it. I think he's a decent replacement for some he's of those minutes. A, he's Avery. having a good year. He's having he really is. He really is. Yeah. And and for some reason you know people pine for Alex Caruso. I if I'm Frank Vogel. My minutes are going to Caldwell Pope. I, I thought um, if I were the Lakers, and I get the J.R. Smith thing. There's a, obviously a history between LeBron and J.R. And I'm sure LeBron says, don't, don't worry. About, don't forget about Dion Waiters signed uh, right before uh, the uh, please. pandemic. I think that was Caruso. I mentioned Caruso getting more minutes. Yeah, right, she just I know. mentioned it. I did. But you know what, Tim? I would have gone for our guy, uh, Gerald Green. I would have taken him over J.R. Smith. I know he yeah. had he had the broken ankle, but that kid, I've seen it before. So have you. He's one of those guys that can get hot and and win a game for you. And yeah, I would I don't have considered know where his health is now. It was it was well, a broken foot, right? And yeah, you know, I honestly, I haven't checked on it. I know the Rockets can't re-sign him, right? They cannot um, because they they traded him to you know help help move things around in that big trade right. they made. But yeah, I don't. I don't know if he's if he's even healthy because when they got hurt, they ruled him out for the season. Well, obviously, they didn't expect the season last into right. late July, August, September, etc. So maybe they kicked the tires on Gerald Green. I just I like Gerald Green, and I think uh, well, you know, Gerald Green's played in the NBA. I was just about to say more, more, more recently, more recently than yeah. November two thousand eighteen, which is right. the last time Jared did. But you know what? But you know what's funny about that, Brian? It's it's not as big a deal now because nobody's played for several months, so. Everybody coming back into this, these uh, shortened training camps are going to be, you know, they're not going to be 100 percent there. It, it's a lot harder to come in full speed when the, when the season's been going along at as usual breakneck speed. At least J.R. Smith isn't contending with that. Well, I will say that um, when I look at the Lakers, I, I'm, I'm relieved at this exact moment here to go back to stuff that I talked about in October, November, December. Um Every my my whole evaluation throughout this entire season with the Lakers is their matchup with the Clippers, and you have to have a cadre of wing guys to deal with the eighty to eighty six minutes that you're going to get in a playoff game from Paul George and 
uh, and Kawhi Leonard. And it's not just, oh, who's going to be actually on him? It doesn't work that way in the NBA. I mean, yes, there's right. going to be a primary defender, but you're going to have switching. You're going to have a back and forth. You need to be able to deploy a lineup that has enough defenders in there on the wing um, that you feel comfortable dealing with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and dealing with it in switches and in mismatches and stuff. And they now have one less of those guys. That's, I mean, it, uh, it, it doesn't mean that they're doomed or anything like that. They just have one less of them. So I it, mean, it, I hear it, what it you're didn't saying, help. but six foot three, 180 pound Avery Bradley was not guarding Kawhi or Paul George anyway. I mean, I know he's a good on ball defender, but not against guys who are linebackers. Not against, you know, dudes who look like Jadavion Clowney. <laughs> well, I don't think that's who Paul George is. I think he's but, a little no, taller. But that's who that's who Kawhi looks like. I think Avery's a little taller than six foot three, Tim. Yeah, he's listed at six three. Yeah, he's, he's got long arms. But I mean yeah, look, yeah, look, I, again, I'm a, I'm in agreement with you, McMahon. I'm not saying that, oh my gosh, it's over, but um you know, it doesn't, they're, they're it down doesn't there. help though. It doesn't yeah. help. It just doesn't. But it'll yeah. be interesting to see, you know, Caruso um Caruso was, was having a very good year, but Frank Vogel was kind of holding him back. He just he wasn't giving him that many minutes, partially because the Lakers were, you know, pretty stocked up. But um, you know, Caruso can't guard Kawhi Leonard either, and he's not ideal to guard Paul George, even though he's got good size. Um, really, I think what's going to come down to is you know a guy like Kyle Kuzma. Can Kyle Kuzma yeah. defend well enough to be out there on the floor? Um, in crunch time against the Clippers. If, and we've been talking about Kuzma for months about this. You know, obviously you're going to have LeBron and Anthony Davis out there. Um, pretty darn good defenders when it matters. If you can have, if you can, if Frank Vogel can feel okay about putting Kyle Kuzma out there, it opens up a lot of options for the Lakers for their lineup. If it, if he doesn't, um, because obviously I think you're going to see Danny Green. Danny Green's a championship player. He's going to be out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but if he doesn't, if he doesn't feel comfortable doing that, then that you know, it just changes the arithmetic on that. And, you know, I think it's, again, health. I mean, if you're the Lakers, it's about Anthony Davis and LeBron. If you're the Clippers, it's about Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. And if slash when that series happens, I just hope that all four of them are healthy because that's going to be really what it comes down to. Um but I, I just, I just know that you know over the course of playoff series in normal years, the only thing I have to go on, um, LeBron, you've got to main, you've got to monitor LeBron's energy level. You you know you you can't have him guarding Kawhi Leonard primary in the first quarter. You've got to save it, and um, and so that all that all plays into it. All plays into the strategy here, and that's why Avery Bradley. Um, you know, leaving, you know, J.R. Smith has really good size. I don't even know if J.R. will be even, he's probably not even going to be in the rotation. But I think one of the reasons they went out and got him is because he does have experience defending at a high level and he does have great size. And Well, when's the last time you've seen him? He might have, he might be a little bit bigger now. <laughs> I actually saw a photo of him recently. Look like he was in good shape. J.R. was always in, he's always been in good shape. He's, he's, he's. Hey, chased down that guy and beat him up for. Oh, that's a good We can go back and check out the TMZ video of him, uh, of him whooping the guy who, what did the guy vandalize his truck or something? Yeah. yeah. So what about, what about Shumpert, Brian? Does Shumpert have anything left again? A defensive guy. Good. You could guard in the perimeter a little bit. Yeah. Um, Shumpert, 
you know, the Nets, he was with the Nets for a little while and they, yeah. they cut him. Um, you know, Shumpert has really good size. Um, the thing with Shumpert is that he's lost his offensive ability altogether. Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially as the league has gone to um, the, the the need for a a um, somebody who can you, who can play those. You got to at least shoot thirty percent on threes. It's really hard to to survive with you don't at least shoot thirty percent. And Shumpert's numbers, he's just you know he was a he was never a high level scorer, but he put the ball in the basket. Um, his, his last years in Cleveland at that contract, um, he just could not score. Right. He saw so, the rotation with the Rockets last season and obviously all his job in that offense was catch and shoot. And, uh, he was a sub 30% three point shooter once he got, uh, once he got moved to the Rockets last season. Yeah. Well, and JR, JR, I'll bet. Every, you know, you play you play Jr. in seven games. There might be one of them where he hits three threes. Um, yeah, JR and, there, and there might shoot. be and there might be one that he misses eight threes. You know, because that's where that's he's true. at in his life right now. That's the thing. Yeah. Well, the thing about it is, I've you know, this has been true for Jr. since he was with the Knicks eight nine years ago or whatever. The more you the more you need to rely on Jr. The more trouble your team is. Sure. If he if he's just a junk pitch that you try and see if it works, it's fine. But I I don't even know. I mean, I don't even know if he's going to play. I don't know what you know. You know, the thing about Dion Waiters is Dion actually at times in his career has been a good catch and shoot player. Mm-hmm. And um, if you can catch and shoot along alongside LeBron, you're going to do all right. But um, well, his overall numbers aren't great. Well, and and really, when we're talking about like J.R. Smith, Shump, or whatever, it's not even about how many they make. Obviously, that's important. It's about do defenses care enough to consider them threats? Are they going to screw up the spacing? Or like you're not going to leave J.R. Smith open for catch and shoot threes. You're probably going to dare Shumpert to make a couple before you really get serious about guarding them. And so that's right. just going to clunk up the spacing for everybody else. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Dion Waiters, man, I don't know. He, it was, they couldn't wait to get rid of him in Miami. You know that, Brian. I mean, they, <laughs> yeah. he was causing so many problems there. You know what's crazy about Dion? Let me tell you how incredible the fortune, well, look, Dion's been through some terrible things in his life, but it's remarkable what's happened to Dion the last few months. Um, he got traded, uh, so he was able to get out of Miami because Miami, you know, wasn't really wanting to, to cut him because they didn't want him on their books. And then Memphis cut him. And by cutting him, they owe him all the money. So all the pay cuts that the players have taken to deal with the COVID fallout, JR, or I mean, Dion has not had to pay those because he was already cut loose. So he he got fined a bunch of money earlier this year. You know, the Heat suspended him like two different times. And he he lost like a million dollars or two million dollars just in fines. Well, guess what? He just probably got a lot of it back because he happened to be cut. Then he he the Lakers open up a roster spot. He signs there, and now someone at his position has has decided not to go. So there's, I agree with you, Jackie. I don't think he's going to be the first up. I think Vogel is thinking more about Caldwell Pope and and Danny yeah. Green and and maybe a little bit more Caruso. But there is a hole now that wasn't there. Um, so Dion has had, for all the stuff that's happened, Dion has had some openings here that we'll see if he can actually take advantage of. But the crazy thing about this is we, we just really have no idea 
what's going to happen in this bubble. And there's also a possibility that there could be early on in these um, in these seeding games, especially for teams at the top, like the Lakers, whose, whose seed is pretty secure, that they may treat them like more extended exhibition games um, so that to try to play their players back into some shape, which means that Dion might get an opportunity to showcase. Um, also, and this is unfortunate, but I think it's re- reasonable to talk about, like this is a situation we're going into where you may need your 15th man or your 16th man or your 17th man. There right. may be a moment that happens because of injury or because of the virus where all of a sudden Dion Waiters is starting or J.R. Smith is starting because it's some things have happened and uh, here they come. And so, uh, I mean, these signings right now, you know, it's like, oh, okay, the Nets signed Tyler Johnson. Okay, interesting. But you never know with this situation. It could end up mattering. So um, I know that LeBron has been laser focused on trying to motivate his teammates to get ready for this. Um, we'll see if, if Dion and JR are, are able to, to, uh, to contribute. By the way, there's been some reports out there. I don't, I don't know how true, um, they are. I, I do know LeBron has been doing workouts throughout this whole time. I don't know how many of the Lakers he got together with, but have either of you guys ever been to the, uh, the mini Staples Center in Bel Air that where, where oh, these yeah. guys have been working out? I have not. Um, so this guy, Steve Jackson, uh, I, he's had a number of businesses, but I know that LA he, Gear, LA Gear was one of his big businesses. And um, <laughs> you t- you take the 405 uh, past uh, UCLA, get off the highway, you pull into this swanky neighborhood in Bel Air. There's a there's a there's a gate. You get your name's got to be on the list. You go up to his house, and what do you think, McMahon? Looks like he at some point must have bought out his neighbor or something, because it's sort of like I, you know. I, yeah, I was guessing he bought, uh, maybe bought out the neighbor, knocked the house down, and so it was, you know, turned the gym, you know, in, mm-hmm. built the gym on the empty lot or something. Yeah, so it's like it's when you walk up to the, to the house, house though. yeah, you walk up and it's sort of to the back left of the house. There's a special entrance for it, and you walk in there, and he's got a replica court of the Staples Center, um, except instead of where it said it, instead of the, where it's a Staples Center in the same font lettering it says jackson center he's got the retired jerseys you know he's got kareem and magic and and you know everybody every jerry west all the time all the time there's guys working out in the summer and they'll post clips and people like oh they're working out in the lakers facility but it's this guy's house right and um, rob mcclanahan who trains a ton of nba players his summer works out workouts there yeah, and he's got along the wall have shoot arounds. Yeah, yeah, that's why I went there. A team I was uh, covering had a shoot around there. All around the walls, he, you know, and this is what's you know he's smart. Like he would invite these teams in, and then he would ask for them to sign. He he has like a piece of hardwood, and he has the teams sign you know these autographs. So he's got like full team autographs for teams going back a decade or more. Yeah. He's just kind of posted. Like, there's, oh. there's several. There are huge blocks of wood, and there's a bunch of them that are filled with autographs. Yeah, and it's like, oh, here's the 2008-9 Celtics. 
here's the 2010-11 Miami Heat. And he's got these just autographs. Um, it reminds me of at Nike. Um, at Nike, you know, for years when teams went to Portland, they would go work out at Nike because the players would go to the Nike store and um, where they'd get their big discount afterwards. And there was in the Bo Jackson building, um, there was this wall where everybody who worked out there would sign this wall. And this, is this probably was one of the most incredible pieces of memorabilia in the sports world. Every, pretty much almost every name athlete of the last like 30 years had signed this wall. Um, it was unbelievable. And so Steve Jackson has an NBA collection, something like that. And so this, this place is, it's an, it's an incredible facility and I have not been to the back. Supposedly they have like locker rooms and treatment rooms or whatever back there. But the word is that LeBron was working out there Mm -hmm. and um, some of his Laker teammates were. And like, look, I know that there was social distancing. I was like, oh, only only supposed to get two or three people together. And that may have been the rule at the facility. But if you've been on social media, you've seen that the guys threw that out the window. There's guys playing full, full, full on basketball. And, and, you know, a lot of cities, the players scattered. Um, in some some teams, I know I talked to a guy with one team who was a mid market who thought that like thirteen of their guys were there the whole time. But um, you know, for the Lakers, almost all of them live in L.A. even in the off season. So um, most of the players were there. So I don't know if that translates to anything. I don't know if it means anything. Um, but you can you can bet that LeBron's going to come in in shape. Whether or not LeBron can dodge the virus um and the lakers can dodge a virus is unfortunately another thing but um i would expect i would expect them i would expect lebron to come in shape jackie oh yeah that goes without saying i i I mean and i think a lot of the elite guys same thing and that the benefit for lebron to me was he could work but he could work in a like it was the off season and even though they did a pretty good job this year of maintaining his minutes, I think he was under 35 minutes, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he was, he was around they were 34, doing, they were, they 34 were doing plus. Really well. yeah, did they a good were doing job really with well. him. But, you know, you look at a guy like James Harden, it was almost 37 minutes. Uh, Bradley Beal, it was off the charts. Kyle Lowry was almost 37 minutes. And that's where you go back to the Bucks and what I was talking to Bud about uh, yesterday because they had done the best job of anybody. Giannis was at 30.9 minutes a game. Giannis, the possible MVP and defensive player of the year, was playing less than some reserves on other teams. And Chris Middleton was playing 30 minutes. And so I thought it was going to be a huge advantage for the Bucks had the season continued in its usual fashion because it's always a war of attrition. We know that. It's such a long season. And by the time you get to the playoffs, it really does matter who's gassed and who isn't. And, and now all bets are off. It's like you're starting over again in many ways. And guys like LeBron, James Harden, you know, Russell Westbrook, I mean, I, I could name a, a hundred of them. You know, they know how to stay in shape. They've done this before. Chris Paul, these guys know what they're doing. And so they're going to be in peak. They're not only just be in shape. They're going to be in the exact kind of shape they need to be for the calendar. You know what I'm saying? And some of the young players don't know how to do that. It, it takes time. It takes years of being around the game and, and having long NBA seasons and figuring out what your cadence is. So it, it favors veterans, in my opinion. Man, this is what I want to see. I, you know, sticking to basketball, I really want to see the Rockets move up to number four, so that Good we faith. see, so that we see a Rockets potential Rockets Lakers second round. Okay. 
I want to see that series. Rockets Thunder first round could be interesting too. By the way, great. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you don't know. you think in a way, like, I don't want to say all bets are off, but doesn't, I mean, we've got to expect it's going to be more wide open than anything that was going to happen if the season had gone as, as planned, right? I mean, there's yeah. too many wild cards, way too many wild cards, players, and, comfort and level, we, health, everything. Yeah. And the health thing, like, will, will there be a bunch of soft tissue injuries? Hopefully not. That's obviously the concern, but. There will be fresh legs, which is not the case going into most playoffs. And, and right. I really do think that the Rockets in particular, they were on fumes. Like they were in trouble. PJ right. Tucker hard. And those guys have played so many minutes. You know, they were starting to really, uh, struggle. I mean, they lost four of the last five. And now those guys have had, you know, by the time they get there, almost five months off. So, yeah. you know, and, and I, I think a lot of guys, especially, you know, to your, point to the guys they will be you know in better uh you know potentially better shape physically just because there's you know there's not going to be the bumps and bruises and nicks and knacks that everybody's dealing with going to the playoffs i just think that uh we're going to be surprised by by some things i just have no idea what they're going to be well, if you had um, an idea, you wouldn't be that surprised. So that makes sense. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, uh, you guys know my feeling on predictions. I think that in general, <laughs> I think the concept of the predictions are blown out of the water here. Um, I remember uh, talking to Bob Volgaris, who uh, <laughs> made a lot of money as an NBA gambler and now uh, doesn't can't win the NBA because he works for the Mavericks. Yeah. Um, I remember talking to him and – he had done a lot of research and uh, in 2011 coming out of the lockout, he uh, felt that there would be a, a big lull in scoring in the league. And so for, uh, and I'm not saying anything he hasn't said publicly, by the way. Um, but uh, he basically bet the under on, he forget about who's going to win or lose. He bet the under on every game for the first like six, eight weeks. And, just he literally made millions of dollars. Now you know when it comes to gamblers, um, it's hard to know where they win or lost. I'll, I'll just say this: I, I've seen Bob on private planes. I've seen his houses and I've seen where he sits at games. Uh, the man has money, um, but he correctly forecast uh, that the league was going to start very slowly in terms of scoring. Um, I don't know how to forecast what's going to happen. I just ex- am expecting the natural order that we saw when it ended to be disrupted. It could be disrupted by some players who've gotten like vastly better. Like, Oh my gosh, all of a sudden these, this guy's taken a leap that he would normally take between, you know, between seasons, all of a sudden it happens within the same season because these circumstances, or we could see a team that isn't a hundred percent focused that, you know, falls apart, or we could see a team that smells opportunity that may stay healthy and, you know, leaps forward maybe from, six seven eight range and leaps forward and i so when we finally do get to basketball and i do believe it's going to happen i do believe we're going to get to basketball even though it's going to be rocky i think we are going to see some remarkable things i think we're going to have a lot to to be focused on hopefully not the virus when we get to august because um you know we've talked about on here before you know 99 the the 50 game season that was really strange the number eight seed knicks made the finals so Without Patrick Ewing. <laughs> Patrick Ewing didn't play in the finals. He was hurt. Go back and look. The Spurs beat him in five games, and Patrick didn't even play. He was hurt. 
Yeah. Um, they they happened to match up really well with the Miami Heat that year, and that was a factor when they were the number one seed. But, right. um, hey, the, the 76ers match up great with the Celtics. So And who, who knows? knows? The Sixers, like, talk about a wild card. Simmons is back. He's been working. He's very healthy. I've been getting regular reports on him. He work, he's been working with trainer Chris Johnson, I think virtually, but probably in person in recent weeks. And I'm going to – I do like predictions – and I'm going pred- <laughs> to predict that Ben Simmons is going <laughs> to take and make a three during this new- inside the Orlando bubble. How about that? You're in here first. It would help a lot. <laughs> and and Joel Embiid, another guy that I would say has benefited from this time off. Always to me, that's because he's you know plays a lot of minutes. He's carrying a big frame. So the Sixers are a team. Who knows? You know, right before. They, you know, this all happened. They were sort of, you know, they were scuffling and then they sort of had this little stint where they looked like they were figuring some things out. Who the heck knows? We have no idea. I mean, they had a horrible, they had a horrible road record and an unbelievable home record. So what does the bubble do for them? I don't even know. Right? It's. I don't think the, I don't, I don't think the home record's going to carry over. Just well, there's no, I mean, there's, there's no home record, right? There's no home record for anybody. So it's just, it's, it's very unpredictable. Let's, I would just love to see some games as long as people aren't at risk. And, and of course they are at risk, but at great, in grave danger or in grave risk, or you just hope that they get all the positive tests out of the way now, which I think they, again, to your point, Brian, no one was shocked by this. They were expecting it. They were preparing for it. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, things are things are changing. There's things happening rapidly. Every day. Even yeah. when this by the time this pod comes out, there could be new things that happen. But nothing that is happening, my feel, is going to stop this from going forward, uh, at least at the moment. Um, they are prepared for these setbacks, and they're, they're propelling forward. So... All right. Well, thank you for listening to the Hoop Collective podcast. Thank you to Tim, Jackie, Andrew Hahn, and Troy uh, Farkas back in Connecticut. Appreciate it. Everybody have a great end of your week. We'll talk to you soon. knows there are many reasons why you ride from the thrill of the revving engine and pure adrenaline of flying down the highway to the confidence of knowing that geico always has your back with 24 7 access to claim service but ari snyder has one reason in particular i had extremely large upper arms they won't even fit into most shirts thankfully biking really embraces vest culture so i feel accepted geico motorcycle 15 minutes could save you 15 percent or more